The Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast with your host, Jackie Pilisoff. No one should have to go through a divorce feeling alone and isolated. The Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast is a production of Divorced Girl Smiling, where every show is 30 minutes aimed to empower you, help you feel validated and understood, and connect you with some of the best divorce professionals in the industry. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and start smiling as you join us right now for the Divorce Girl Smiling Podcast. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at divorcedgirlsmiling.com. Before we get started, I wanted to take a minute to mention two Divorced Girl Smiling trusted professionals who I think are wonderful. The first one is Eric Feig, who is a divorce mediator, a certified co-parenting specialist, a disability-informed professional, and the founder of his practice, Feig Mediation Group. So Eric has been mediating for several years. He is such an amazing person. He's very calm. He's very neutral. He tries to keep the emotion out of it, yet he's a very compassionate, warm person. I just love Eric, and I would highly recommend him. You can find Eric at FIGMediationGroup.com or in the Trusted Professional section of Divorced Girl Smiling. I also want to mention divorce attorney Anna Krolikowska. So I have known Anna for so many years. I almost want to say it's over 10. She is so impressive, such a dedicated, compassionate person, And I cannot say enough good things about Anna. She's smart. She's experienced. She's been a divorce attorney for 17 years, and she prefers to settle her cases via mediation. If you want to find Anna, you can reach her at AnnaKLaw.com, or you can find her in the Trusted Professional section of Divorced Girls Smiling. So when I was first getting divorced, I had never heard the word discovery. I didn't even know what it was. And everybody was talking like my lawyers, the mediator, all about discovery. And I felt too intimidated to say, okay, what's discovery? And by the way, there was no Google back then. So I couldn't just Google it and find out what it was. So I want to talk about discovery, what it is and what its role is in the divorce process. And even if you're listening to this and you know what discovery is, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And I have two wonderful guests to talk about discovery and their names are Catherine Shanahan and Karen Shalou. And Catherine and Karen are the co-founders of My Divorce Solution, which we're going to talk about in this podcast because it's an amazing divorce tool that helps people get divorced so much quicker and so much less expensively. So hi, Catherine and Karen. Jackie. Hello. How are you guys? Thanks so much for being on. We love being on. Love your audience. Love talking to you, of course. And I especially love talking about discovery. Well, I'm so glad. So I want to tell my listeners a little bio on each person so you understand their credibility because they really do bring a lot to the table. So Catherine Shanahan is a CDFA, Certified Divorce Financialist, and a Divorce Financial Specialist with over 30 years experience in the financial industry. Karen worked for 30 years in the legal space. She was a legal liaison, a central link that assured that divorces 
were professionally executed as efficiently as possible. So these two together built this amazing company in 2016. And we're going to talk about Discovery because what they do and how much money and time Discovery takes there's a connection there. And what they do will help you minimize your costs and minimize the time spent. So with that said, Karen, you said you love talking about discovery. So I'm going to start with you. Tell my listeners what exactly discovery is. So discovery in the litigation world, and more specifically in divorce litigation, it's about the exchange of financial information. So because of the rules and procedures, an attorney will ask another attorney for the family's financials and they exchange information that way. So discovery comes in written requests called interrogatories and requests for production of documents. If you've been through or you're in a divorce, you've heard those terms. Financial disclosures in in a lot of states, not all states, require a certain amount of initial discovery, tax returns and pay stubs and things like that. And then discovery can be expanded. It also includes depositions. It includes the motions to enforce the exchange of discovery when one spouse or the other doesn't respond appropriately. So discovery is a a huge space in litigation and especially in divorce litigation where the bulk of money is spent. There's delays. There's all kinds of things that happen during that time. And if someone isn't prepared, then that's when they kind of, what we call, get on the hamster wheel of discovery. All right. So when we're talking about discovery, you said exchange of financials, what specifics are we talking about? Bank accounts, any account that has an asset in it, collectibles, a boat, another home, everything. What else? Am I missing anything? So, well, a request for production of documents, and that's usually the initial request, can be up to 15 pages long with all of the documents that are requested. But to your point, it is account statements. It's mortgage statements. It's retirement account statements. And typically, one to three years of those statements is tax returns. It's anything employment related. It's anything that has an asset or debt attached to it. So what? So credit card statements. It's a very wide, broad range of financial documents that is overwhelming and a lot of times not even easily able to complete because of all the work it takes to obtain and assemble that amount of documentation. So tell me, does everyone have to do discovery? Let's say you go into it and you say, we're going to mediate our divorce. Do you still have to do discovery? Well, typically, if you're working with an attorney, an attorney is required to do due diligence. So if you have prepared, many of our clients will go in and say, look, I I have obtained and assembled my financial documents. I've worked with my spouse. I feel comfortable that we have you know, assembled our financial marital estate. So before you start down the discovery road, can we just see what we can do with the documentation that we have? So yes, that that is successful um, if you've done the work ahead of time and you feel really comfortable that you have the documentation necessary to support 
a proposal or a response to a proposal. Let me interject a little bit there, because when you ask if you have to go through that with mediation, a lot of mediators know that you don't have to bring them your documentation. There's no requirement from a mediator to look at your documents. But my question to you would be, do you really want to make an agreement without what Karen just said is that supporting documentation? Maybe you don't need to ask for three years of information if you don't want it. But why would you just want to go by your spouse's spreadsheet of sorts? or a list of income. How many times have we seen just a list of assets and list of values, just dollar amounts written in? Okay, you could be trusting in your spouse, you're in mediation and you're working amicably together, but ask for that one piece of document to support the number that's written down. Screenshots don't count. Just going to put that out there. Why not? There's not enough information on a screenshot typically. A lot of times we see a screenshot of a computer screen the information that's contained on statements that are very necessary to value the account. And especially in retirement accounts and things like that, those statements are very important to support the valuation of of that account on any given day. Let's get into the time and the money that is spent on discovery. So When I was getting divorced, discovery, I felt like took a really long time. And anybody going through a divorce knows that if something takes a long time, it just means more billing from your attorney. So why does discovery take such a long time? And sometimes it's never completed, I might add. So discovery takes a long time because most, not most, everything in litigation is controlled by procedures and regulations and rules that all attorneys, you know, are mandated to follow or, right, that's why you hire an attorney. So when an attorney, in my experience, sends out discovery, interrogatories and requests for production, the other side has 30 days to respond. Typically, they respond with incomplete responses um, or not at all. And so then it doesn't mean that the judge is going to enforce that request the attorney has to file a motion. Then they have to ask for an extensions. And then they'll give more documents, which starts the process all over again. And so by the time documents have been produced, typically they're out of date by that time, right? Because a request will say to date. So then we definitely call it the hamster wheel. You just keep going round and around and around. And sometimes the opposing party or the spouse uses that system to wear down the other spouse, especially if they're not the financial manager. It is very much a tactic to wear down the other side to force a settlement, especially when they have things to hide or there's been dissipation of funds or, you know, they just, they can see that they don't have to produce certain things. So that's why it takes a long time. It's so funny because I was just going to ask you, why do people do this? Why do they wait the 30 days to respond? Why do they maybe not respond? And so now I have my answer because they're thinking as part of the tactic that the other person's going to get tired of paying bills, be way too stressed and say, you know what? So what? Let's, I don't care anymore. Let's just settle. I'll be happy for that with this. And then that's it. Wow. That is so sad. What's worse is when you wait for that discovery to come in and you're the spouse that gave as much information as you can, and you have that other spouse who is financially controlling typically, 
and then you finally get it because you're going to mediation two days later and the responses are N-A, N-A, I don't recall. Like there's no answers to it. And you're the spouse who knows that your spouse knows. So you've just spent $10,000 waiting for this document to come in. So you're prepared. And then I, I mean, we'll get them sent to us because we want to complete their portrait. And that's one way that we'll update some information. And I will say to Karen, oh my gosh, how much did this client pay to get this? And then they don't even answer the questions. It's so infuriating that the industry allows it to happen. But so infuriating to me that courts allow it to happen. If you don't produce the documents and there should be like a within a reasonable answer, like you can't put NA on every single thing, but you could put it on a couple things or whatever, then you should be punished by the court. You should be fined or you should have to pay your spouse's attorney's fees. Like what's wrong with the system? It's very frustrating to me. Always has been. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. It is an archaic system for sure. And, you know, most of, I worked as a litigation paralegal for many, many years. And our role was to object to as many requests as possible. If it wasn't clear, if it didn't say, I want this statement on this date, you know, you look for objections so that you can sometimes in some offices and, and specifically in the office I work for, you look for ways to not have to answer and not have to produce the documents. Again, because they don't notice, you don't have to answer, but it's just how it's done. So if there's a very generic question, or it's too many years, you know, you just say objection, this is overly burdensome, unduly, I don't know, whatever the the verbiage is, it's, it's on all of them. It's just how litigation is processed. Not that it's okay, but that's been my experience for many years. And I see it replicate itself when our clients are bringing the discovery to us to say, is there anything here that, you know, expands the financial documents that we need so I can make good informed decisions? Let's dive a little deeper into that. How about when this all is occurring as Karen states, and then you say, okay, my spouse is never giving that. Now I want you to subpoena. And do you know how many subpoenas go out that they do not identify the exact financial document, the way that the document is worded or what the actual document actually is? If you don't use the exact verbiage, that subpoena comes back with, you don't have any, we don't have that. And we'll look at that and I'll say, oh my God, well, that is not an employee stock benefit plan documentation, but they didn't request it that way. So now that client just spent five grand to ask for an improperly worded document and they're not going to get it. So they'd have to pay all over to resend it out. I remember that first happened with Karen. I was like, wait a minute, this is not what was asked for. And Karen goes, well, look at how they worded the subpoena. That's exactly how the company responded to exactly how it was worded. It is that tit for tat of a word. That's insane. And how do you know if you're going through the divorce process and you never handled your finances? You don't know that. Most people going through a divorce really are not aware of all of this. You're listening to the Divorce Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pilisoff, and I'm your host. I'm here today talking about discovery with Karen Shalou and Katherine Shanahan, the co-founders of My Divorce Solution. And we are going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about ways to not spend so much time and money in the discovery phase of the divorce. We'll be right back. 
I want to take a minute and recommend Beverly Price. Beverly Price is a divorce coach and the founder of her practice, Her Empowered Divorce. So I met Beverly, I would say a year ago, and I interviewed her for my podcast, and I was so impressed. And I quickly knew that she was a person of incredible dedication to helping people through divorce. Beverly is smart. She's a wonderful communicator. She's experienced. She's a great listener. And she is so committed. And Beverly has been doing this for over 30 years. So if you want to find Beverly, you can reach her at herempowereddivorce.com or you can find her in the trusted professional section of Divorce Girl Smiling. I also want to take a minute and recommend California divorce attorney Bonnie Rabinovich Mantel. And Bonnie is located in San Diego. She has her own practice. And I just find Bonnie extremely knowledgeable. She's really like a no-nonsense kind of person. She's full of energy. She's really, really dedicated to her clients. And she's such a kind person. She's been practicing for many, many years. And she's just wonderful. Really, I could not say enough about Bonnie. If you want to find Bonnie, you can find her at primusfamilylawgroup.com or in the trusted professional section of Divorced Girl Smiling. Welcome back to the Divorced Girl Smiling podcast. My name is Jackie Pilisoff and I'm your host. Today, we're talking about discovery. I'm here with Katherine Shanahan and Karen Shalou of My Divorce Solution. And the three of us are having what I think is a great conversation for somebody who is just starting the divorce process or very frustrated because you keep getting lawyer bills and nothing's getting done. So you guys, the next question I have is, how does somebody minimize the discovery part of the divorce. What can you do? And it's kind of a loaded question because now we're going to get into my divorce solution, which is the solution. But tell (laughs) me, you know, a couple things. Okay. So preparation is key. There's a lot that you can do to obtain financial documentation that you don't even know exist. So, you know, a lot of people say, go get your account statements, go get this and that. But a very structured process of understanding what you need, how to get it. If you don't have access to your tax returns, there are ways you can get your tax returns that doesn't require that you have an attorney get it for you. So we help our clients obtain the documentation as much as possible, and sometimes even asking their spouse for the information or documentation that is available to them. You know, sometimes just asking for it, you can get it. But there's many, many ways to obtain financial information. And we always say, get as much as you can, understand what it means to you. And then before you get into that, what they call the first discovery request of interrogatories and requests for production, figure out which accounts are most important, send a subpoena, and build that way. Many times we talk with attorneys and our clients and you know we offer different suggestions or recommendations about the accounts that are very pertinent, again, to minimize that discovery cost. And, and from my experience, most attorneys are very wide open to that. But if you don't come with some preparation, they feel more of a responsibility to send that big net of just give us everything even though it doesn't end well, that that's their best effort at getting as much as possible. 
Now, also one thing I thought of, and you might have said this in your answer because you said you could ask for it. What about just asking your spouse saying, look, I know that we're not on good terms. I know this is probably really hard for you, but we could save ourselves a lot of time and money if you just complete the discovery. Do you ever advise people to do that? Well, ours is a little different. We say, okay, are you comfortable at this point? Let's introduce your spouse to our process so that they can participate. Most people out there, believe it or not, maybe 1% of the people don't, but most people out there want to streamline this process because it's costly, right? So our process is that we send a nice letter of introduction with their spouse's approval and our client will say, I've hired a company who does the financial piece of the process. They're not attorneys. They don't file anything. They're just going to help us to collect the documentation and assess it. And so most spouses say, okay. And so we send a letter of introduction and we invite them to a phone call to tell about our process um, so that they can participate. And that streamlines their process by over 80% of the overall divorce costs. I just love this. So I want to back up because what I just heard from you is that you go to your spouse and say, look, you don't want to be married to me. I don't want to be married to you. I kind of can't look at you right now. I'm sure you feel the same, but I found this company. They're going to get us divorced for 80% less because I'm a salesperson by nature. So that's how I'd sell it. It's going to save us time. It's going to save us money. We're both going to walk away with so much more than we would have. We're going to have college money for our kids if we use these two women and my divorce solution. And maybe even better, I would tell my listeners, is before you call Catherine and Karen, if you're considering it after this podcast, maybe say to your soon-to-be ex, Let's call them together so that you meet them at the same time and they don't feel like you're taking sides or you know them better and you're meeting the couple at the same time. I'm going to add to that a little bit. So yes, we definitely have couples that come together. And particularly if you are considering going to mediation, you definitely should come through our process first together because you'll stay with a symmetry of information. Everybody's in the know and you're both getting that space to give that information and then go to mediation. And a lot of our clients just need one or two mediation sessions. It's very quick because of the conversations that we have. But even if you're the person who um, your spouse is telling you right now that, listen, I'm going to give you the information you need and I'll tell you everything that you need. Okay, well, great. I've hired a company that will help me go through the financial piece and I would just like you to participate. By the spouse just participating, that person who is feeling a little inferior to the financial information or who feels like they need a little bit more one-on-one guidance, they'll be able to get that because they'll go through the platform themselves, message us themselves in there. We don't have to include the spouse on every conversation. So it's a very different approach to it. Now, the spouse who's the participant and not really the client, they feel like a client because we treat them the same. You know, we just can't give one-on-one guidance or or, or, um, one-off conversations if they're both the client, right? So the spouse who is in the financial know, if they really want to do this process in a better way, they want their spouse to be in the know of the cash flow situation, what the expenses are actually, you know, not just the way that they're living, but what's the actual um, data that, to support that, right? So it's just a different way to approach it in any regard. Um, it's just a matter of where you're most comfortable. If you want to come by yourself or if you rather have you come with your spouse, we're definitely wel- we welcome both both pathways. I just want to say sometimes people want to get in the know a little bit 
before introducing their spouse so that they have some foundation on which to have better conversations just because they haven't, you know, the household finances for so long. So, you know, sometimes we have a lot of different ways that spouses can enter into the process to get that eventual blueprint. So I want to talk about specifically my divorce solution, because here's what I want to tell my listeners. You have to turn over all this stuff for discovery anyway. You have to do it, whether you are going through mediation or you hire a lawyer. That's like the first thing they ask, pretty much. And why not give the information to Catherine and Karen? You're doing the same amount of work, but you're walking away with a financial portrait that really your lawyer is going to be so thankful for because you're giving them the answers to the test. They don't have to organize, figure stuff out, put it in. You're giving your attorney the answer. And then the attorney knows exactly what's fair. Both attorneys know what's fair, what's equitable. And you could be divorced in so short of a time. What do you guys think? That's so true. Agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Because then attorneys, when they ask you what you want, you're telling them what you want based on what you've learned is the financial impact. You're not telling them what you want based on your emotion, right? I want the house because I don't want to move. You're saying I want the house because I know what it means to my cash flow, my equity, my retirement. You've taken the time to learn all of that. So you become a very informed client. You're less likely to change your mind and they can do their best work for you. Now, I've never asked you guys this question, but do you make recommendations to people about what to ask for based on the portrait? Like once you have all this information, can you say, well, here's a suggestion, maybe ask for this, this, and this. Like, do you go that far? We do. So we have division scenarios. So when they're with their divorce financial specialist, they will go through the home marital state. They'll go through what might be missing, whether they're moving forward or not with the, with the missing information or what they're waiting for. And then they'll go through one, two, or three division scenarios. And it's not a recommendation on our, listen, we don't invest their money for them. They're on their own there. And we're not telling them what to do. By the time they get to that point in our process, they already have in their heads what they would like. They just don't know what the impact of that is. So we talk through with them what they would like based on the data that we have in front of us or, or based on any missing data. And we'll go through and look to see what that would look like and go through the impact of that decision. It's really inspiring for um, me to sit on the end of those calls because then I'll see their little minds ticking a little differently they're, when they're like, wow, you know, I'll say, okay, that's, if you want the house, fine. You realize at age 55, you have no retirement money because now you've negotiated that away. You see in your column, there's no retirement money and you're losing tax deferred growth. And if something happens to the house, which of these accounts would you take that money for? So now it's just a, a talking through right? A scenario. And then they say, oh gosh, 55 and no retirement money. Okay. So what if I kept some of the retirement money? What would I have to do there? So then we just, they're actually giving back some scenarios themselves where they never thought they'd be able to do that. And then they're seeing the impact of that. And then sometimes they come with, my spouse gave me this proposal. So we'll put that proposal as one of their scenarios and say, well, what are you thinking of this based on these questions? And then maybe do a counter scenario to that. So that's the part of the process I like, because I love seeing that client just transform from when they start with the budget to where they think they know nothing and they feel really insecure and they get a few weeks later to the division scenarios and they're just a different beast at that point. 
I shouldn't say beast, you're but a giving, different person. You're giving them empowerment. You're giving them self-confidence to walk into a mediation session or to tell their lawyer, here's what she wants and here's why. And it's based on this. So there's nothing to be afraid of anymore. There's not, because there's no reason why the person shouldn't give it to them. I mean, they may say, no, I don't want to do that. And they might fight it. There's so much documentation behind it, and it's very fair. So they have a better chance of settling their case quicker and getting an outcome that's more fair and equitable. So Absolutely. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should be a spokesperson for my divorce solution. You should. <laughs> you should. Well, I really, from day one, really thought it was an amazing divorce tool that's really a time and money saver. And that's the bottom line. Well, Jackie, when you think about it, you know, Karen's talking to you really great about the whole process and she's been in that world. So she understands it. But, but people like me and you who didn't live in her world before, we don't really go by the, oh, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Because we don't we didn't work it. So we didn't see it. So my logical financial mind says, why are we giving two attorneys the same piece of paper, the same documentation? Why am I going to get three years of a joint account that my spouse could go get? It's a joint account. You both can get it yourself. Instead, it's this paper trail of back and forth nonsense, I call it, on the financial world. It is nonsense that we don't need to do that. So Karen and I have been fortunate enough to be able to bridge that gap and open it up to both spouses because both spouses are scared. I don't care if they're a narcissist or aggressive, whatever, that person's still scared, right? Or you're uninformed, but you want to do the right thing. You're still scared. It's a scary, divorce is scary. You know, we've we've all been through it, but we've been able to bridge that gap of what the legal requirement of documentation is that's needed financially with the assessment of that so that people now we're shifting that balance of power into the divorcing couple's hand so that they make smart decisions. We don't need financial people telling people what to do. Now we need the financial people post-divorce, investing their money properly so that they can get to their goals. But during the process, it's very different. And we've just been lucky enough professionally and personally to put ourselves on the line there to create this process so that people can do it better and save hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they don't only save money based on attorney fees. They save money on doing premature negotiations or agreeing to a settlement that they're so unclear about or neglecting an asset that should have been disclosed in a different manner other than like Karen said, a screenshot that doesn't identify all the components to that account by giving up some of their rights to what's rightfully theirs because they decide to get through this process quicker because it was too expensive to do it the other way. Okay. Now I'm getting very passionate about it because- (laughs) Discovery drives me insane because of the paper trail of nonsense, basically. <laughs> yeah. I have one more question because we're almost out of time, but I really want to ask this because I think it's important. There are people listening to this podcast from all over the country. So how do the different divorce state laws, how is this all impacted by that? Are there different answers for different states or is it all basically the same? So one of our one of our important things is to get on with your attorney if you have one. So we make sure that your strategy is known. So when we do talk about division scenarios, that's known. But as far as state laws, listen, your data is your data. We're not talking about filing. Uh, we don't do any filing. We're not lawyers. We don't give any legal advice. But what we're doing is we're collecting your documentation, which is the same in every state. So a number is a number no matter where. It's a universal number, right? 
So we're assessing that and what's missing. And that does not change anywhere, not even in other countries. Um, Data is data. And that's what we're putting together and assessing. Okay, great. I've actually talked to a couple of women who have had Divorce Girl Smiling consults with me. To my listeners, by the way, it's a 30-minute free consultation with me. Listen to your story, let you vent, give you my advice about emotional parts of divorce, but then I connect you with professionals who I think can help you for your certain situation. And I've had at least two or three people who have said, oh, I used my divorce solution. And really the feedback has been amazing. So oh, thank you for so sharing that with us. Yeah. Thank you. We'd love to hear that. Yeah. And I, if we just have a minute, I just want to insert the piece about mediation because mediation has become very popular, especially in the United States. And it is a really great alternative way to approach divorce. But I think a lot of people think that mediation mediators, their discovery process is comprehensive and it's much less comprehensive. And that's why mediation can fail more than it can be successful because assets, income, all kinds of data is not properly disclosed. So, you know, the couple in good faith go to mediation. But, you know, last week I had someone tell me um, we were going through her assessment and I asked about, you know, what how the discussion about spousal support was going. Like how, what was the discussion in mediation about that? And she said, it never came up. And she said, I wonder why the mediator didn't bring it up. And I said, well, You know, the mediator, if you're on board with what the conversation is and you don't necessarily know the questions to ask, it's not the mediator's role to create conflict when not where none exists because you're coming as a couple to mediate. Right. And so I think a lot of people think a mediator's role is to give advice and to be really clear in those financial spaces. But the mediator is supported with the financial portrait as well when they when you can walk in with a financial portrait then from there your mediation can be so much more successful well i think my divorce solution is setting people up for success in mediation and litigation so the process mm-hmm. doesn't matter or collaborative right. so it's so true Catherine and karen thank you guys so much for taking time to be on the show today i love the conversation thank you let's continue it because that's what will make change right Absolutely. Thank you. And to my listeners, if you want to have a consultation or learn more about Karen and Catherine and My Divorce Solution, you can find them at mydivorcesolution.com or in the trusted professional section of Divorced Girl Smiling. And if you want to listen to more podcasts, read articles, download my mobile app, sign up for my free consult or find My Divorce Solution and lots of other wonderful, trusted, vetted divorce professionals, come see me at divorcedgirlsmiling.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you real soon.